2: 18 plus. So
3: I'm I'm aiming to lose all the viewers and all the members today.
4: (laughs) I have a dream. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
2: This is the forum. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court hasn't heard the case. There's no other court to go to to hear the case in the state. And so this is the appropriate place for these concerns to be raised, which is why I have raised them here today.
4: I'm the president, and you're fake news. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
5: It's the Ricochet Podcast with Rob Long and Peter Robinson. Today we talk to you, Paul Levin, about populism and Annie McCarthy about the 25th Amendment. So let's have ourselves a COVID-related podcast.
4: I can hear you!
5: <laughs> Welcome, everybody. It's the Ricochet Podcast, number 526. The edition <laughs> where, we, where we make nobody happy. Absolutely nobody. I, I, I don't see it's possible we can make anybody happy today. Should that be our objective, Peter, Rob? I mean... We can't please everybody, so why not just alienate absolutely everybody? Can we come up with that one position about current events that is so that's like the neutron bomb of alienation? Uh, because right now we're all kind of dancing around it and figuring it out, and whatabouting and root causing and all the rest of it. It's I, it, it, it's it's the hard place to be, um, but it's fun. It's interesting. It's certainly making twenty twenty one a zesty. Uh, a zesty <laughs> <day. Remember laughs> that last year it's a very very positive spin. Yeah, I'd like to think. So. Remember last year, everybody thought that twenty twenty. <laughs> (laughs) was going to be great. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got this, uh, you know, Suleimani is in chum chunks on the airport and people realized, oh, that's right. The previous year did carry over into this one. Same thing
6: here. So what do we do, Peter, Rob? Oh, I I uh, think the answer is very simple. What we should all three of us do is aim to please the man most richly endowed with common sense in all of America, or at least in all of Minnesota. James, I view you as the man of... (laughs) You are, the, you are the median American at this very moment. We should, we should spend the next hour pleasing you. <laughs> that's, that's wow. Funny. James, what did um, you do? I, I don't know exactly that cost. what I did to that,
5: but I, I, I'll accept this responsibility. Maybe Peter just went into the comments yesterday at Ricochet and realized that I'd said in teasing this that I actually have the solution really? to national unity and going forward. I do. I do. Um, it's very simple. It's very easy, which probably means it's wrong, as the old adage goes, but I don't think so. Well, let's go back to the capital events. Um, uh, what was your, let me ask this, what was your first reaction, and then what did you come, what
6: did you settle into? Rob, Peter? Uh, my first reaction, I was working pretty hard that day and had turned off my uh, Internet connection for a certain number of hours, so I missed everything i missed the lead up i missed every and then i turned on and at that point they were already showing things that had happened and um honestly it was it, what it reminded me of in my own mind my my reaction reminded me of my reaction on 911 which was i could i just could hardly believe what i was seeing it was just very hard for me to to process and i i guess to put it the way the kids put it And then I spent, what, some just anger, angry at uh, the protesters or the intruders or whatever, rioters, whatever the term is going to be, everyone seems to have settled on, angry at Trump. I missed the speech that he gave that morning, but the speech that he gave, the taped remarks that appeared what was it a couple of hours after the incident i was that that one that appeared on twitter after i had done my day's work and i thought that was reckless frankly reckless given what had already happened and then um i guess my final my sort of settled view of the day was that uh, <laughs> this turned out to be unpopular on twitter um mitch mcconnell gave remarks twice he gave remarks before the proceedings in the senate ended in which he said that challenging the vote was wrong it set a terrible precedent and he laid out the case for certifying the vote in a way that was lawyerly and compelling and if you looked at the screen it was that that shot that head and torso shot that we always get because apparently by the rules of the senate that's all the the camera is allowed to cover but he kept ordinarily when mitch mcconnell is speaking he keeps turning to his left because the people he's trying to persuade are on that side, the Democratic side of the aisle. And in this case, he turned again and again and again and seemed to be making eye contact with particular senators on the right of the speaker's roster, which was, of course, Republicans. So I put up, I retweeted that video with one word, magnificent. (laughs) And almost immediately, I got tweets saying, he's in bed with china how could you he's a member of the deep state and i and i thought wow this is this is a this is a rough moment there i'm just give i just you just heard the story of what went through my head rob i remember we were all chatting uh via
5: messages on this and you were um you were sanguine about it all um Uh, you were you praising Trump's handling of it, I believe. Do I recall correctly, or were you?
3: You get you get the gist. Um, well, look, I you know you already know what I think of Trump. I think he's disgraceful. I think he's the worst president we've ever had. I think that the Republicans are the stupidest, most incompetent political party on the face of the earth. They deserve the extinction that is coming. The leaders, the the yapping leaders like Hawley and Cruz, are. Not even, they're not men. They, they put their manhood in blind trust. They don't deserve the roles that they have. They should cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes and beg for forgiveness. The Republican Party is over for a while at least. And it deserves to be because it is not a serious party filled with serious people. They did this to themselves. And this is how stupid and incompetent did, the Republicans are. Stop let me finish. I, I'm, I'm almost done. And they are so stupid and incompetent that they didn't realize in November that they won, that they had had a successful election, all told. Ask yourself this question. Is the Republican Party stronger now than it was a week after the election or weaker? It is weaker And why is it weaker? It is weaker because Donald Trump is an atrocious lowlife who was unfit for the office, and his lickspittle acolytes in the Senate brought the party down low. And I don't care, because I'm not a Republican, but if you are a Republican or you have any loyalty to that ridiculous bonfire of a party, you should be enraged, not at the people pointing out the truth, but at the people who made it happen unfortunately, I don't see any Republicans now willing to do that. They have all become liberals, root, as you said, root causers, and we must understanders, and you have to understand. I hear my voice. Oh, this is all the language of the crackpot woke left that the Republicans have adopted and taken as their own. It's not a, it doesn't represent any of my beliefs. So that's my feeling.
5: When when you said that they were to blame for this, uh, was, was there a specific thing? Did you mean the riot? Did you mean no? The well, Trump's, yeah, obviously. When you tell discredit- everybody
3: come to D.C. and say, "Oh, this, the January 6 is going to be lit," you got to mm-hmm. expect something. I don't think that Donald Trump is guilty of incitement legally. I don't think he did that. I think his remarks are not really that bad, actually. But the Republican Party certainly did. They kind of winked and nodded and said, oh, well, we'll just go along for a little bit. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And it turns out he wasn't fine. They are going to pay the price and they deserve to. The liberals are going to have a field day with this. Mm -hmm. We ran against Hillary Clinton for 20 years. And before that, we ran against Jimmy Carter for 20 years. You don't think they're going to. Oh, my. I could cut the ads right now. And they deserve to. They deserve (sighs) to. They have the upper hand. They deserve to use it and the republicans have just got to figure out now how to get their manhood back i don't know where it is it certainly isn't anywhere where ted cruz is that's for
5: sure well, your before we end this up and go to Yuval, your your line is always that uh, there's always there's the, the elasticity of American politics means that a punishment is inevitable. And so, inevitable. are you are you are you saying that there's going to be democratic overreach on this? Because when people say they're, oh, gonna th- ex- yeah, they're, going, they're going to use this, again, maybe in twenty years. When people say they're going to use this as an example, they're really going to crack down on right wing speech now, as if that hadn't possibly been in the cards before. But are you saying that there's going to be an overreach that will be corrected in two years or four years when people Dream realize on. it? Maybe if we're lucky maybe if we're lucky
3: but that's all this idea that somehow there's this magical thing that happens that oh well they'll do this and then we'll do that it's all part of a grand plan no sometimes you lose and when you lose you just have to take your lumps and figure out how to win again this what was not grand, the way i just i continue to plan. say the what same grand thing plan. i continue to say the same thing is the republican party stronger now than it was 2 weeks after the election and the answer to that question must be no and then the answer to why must be because Trump and his weak lickspittle acolytes in the Senate, abetted by crackpot media figures, brought it down low. Well, that's just you one. You face Europe the
5: facts into- or you don't. No. Well, that's your set of facts. The other set of facts, of course, says that there was a break in the water, main, and the the, the people weren't allowed to go back and get in the ballots, and the Dominion machines had their innards hollowed out and all the rest of it. And we didn't have an audit, and none of that stuff means Trump didn't really lose. It was a glorious victory. It It was a glorious, wonderful, overwhelming landslide victory. I love you. Go home. Uh, But actually, you stay right there, too. Uh, Stick around. Uh, You know, stick around for dinner, as a matter of fact. What's on? Oh, the best. (laughs) Beef. Yes, eating right, eating well. You know, it's a new year, and that means resolutions are in order. Uh, you know, a lot of times these goals require painstaking sacrifice or assuming new inconveniences to our already hectic lives. But it doesn't have to be that way. No. What if you could enjoy the benefits of virtuous resolution without more hassle? Well, luckily, today's sponsor, Butcher Box, believes everybody deserves high quality, humanely sourced meat in order to kick off a healthier, easier 2021. This year, you can eat better and spend less time and less money at the grocery store thanks to ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the meat delivery subscription that gives me, frankly, more time for what matters most. Each month, they send a box of the highest quality meat for the better price than the grocery store, that's for sure. And this gives me more time to spend cooking and sharing delicious meals with my family and friends. It's splendidly easy to have ButcherBox meat just show up at my door, frankly. I'm never without something to cook for dinner because there's always meat in the freezer i've got one less trip to the grocery store and a better more affordable selection too and i always love looking in the freezer and seeing that butcher box logo on the, on the ground beef that means i got the good stuff right to roll every month butcher box ships a curated selection of high quality meat right to my home meat that's free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat. It's enough for 24 individual meals. It's back fresh, shipped frozen, vacuum sealed. So it stays that way. And it's got options like 100% grass fed and finished beef, free range, organic chicken, heritage pork, and wild caught Alaska salmon, with sugar and nitrate free bacon. Mm, yum. It's the way meat should be. And because I like to you know, figure out my menu plan for the month to come, I'm one of those four, far-seeing guys. I can customize my box to go with one of theirs. Either way, I get exactly what I want. So start your new year off right with up to 10 pounds of free meat. Did I say that right? I said 10 pounds of free meat. For a limited time, Butcher Box is offering new customers their ultimate keto bundle when you sign up today. That includes one pork butt, two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of bone-in chicken thighs for free in the first box. But you got to go to butcherbox.com slash ricochet. That's butcherbox.com slash ricochet. And our thanks to ButcherBox for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. And now we welcome to the podcast, Yuval Levin. He's the director of social, cultural, and constitutional studies at the American Enterprise Institute and the editor of national affairs. Welcome. You wrote a piece called Failure of Leadership in a Populist Age. It's almost the worst of all possible worlds, isn't it? Um, when you when you have actually uh when you have all of the energies of the crowd summoned and gathered, and the person at the top seems unable to shape and direct them, or was that all part of the plan? Tell us what you wrote in that piece exactly, and, and what do you think it means to boats for the future?
7: Yeah, so that piece, which was written before the events of Wednesday, I uh, wrote on Monday, uh, it was really a warning about the danger of lying to people and creating a fantasy world in which you then expect politics to happen. The failure of leadership in a populist age is a failure to deal with the fact that populism, even though it often addresses genuine grievances and concerns, is also always vulnerable to falling into conspiracy and fantasy and lies, and that we had seen that happen dramatically in the wake of the election, and that it was being fed and encouraged by... Republicans, and not just by Donald Trump, though certainly most prominently by him. The piece was ultimately a criticism of Josh Hawley. It was even before Ted Cruz had joined in, so it was mostly of Josh Hawley, Mm -hmm. who was playing this game, sort of saying, well, we should look at this. We should consider these questions. People are saying, people are complaining that there are these irregularities, and so we have to stop the counting and uh, create a commission building this sort of space where you can say maybe i'm not exactly the person lying but i'm building room for the lies to drive a political movement and the argument was that is enormously dangerous and it certainly seems to me we've seen in the course of the week that there are ways where these fantasy worlds collide with reality and the collision doesn't look
0: every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at u.s border patrol
1: Anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
7: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good. And the collision isn't good. It's very bad for the country. It's always a danger in a populist time. And leaders in a time like that have to fight against that danger rather than encourage it.
6: Yuval, people use the word populist and populism in all, even after four years of Donald Trump, but gets used in all kinds of ways. You think very precisely. Uh, how, how are you using the word populist, and how would you distinguish it from ordinary or traditional strength? In what ways have we, are we in a populist moment now that we weren't in the 1980s when Ronald Reagan won big? What distinguish, if you would, between this moment and that?
7: Yeah, I, I would say populism fundamentally, and especially in the American experience, is a resistance to elite power. It's an argument Mm, that says the people in charge with power and money are in charge with power and money for bad reasons. And the reasons are corrupt. And so the people are corrupt. Now, there's often truth to that. And there is some truth to that now. There is a process by which we form our elites, what we call the meritocracy, which basically involves a kind of selection process that I think has huge problems that admits people into elite universities where they're formed into progressives and then sent out into the world to run all the institutions. There is a lot of problems with that. But that kind of populism, which is very powerful right now, and in some ways on the left as well as the right, always runs the risk of combining or confusing reality and fantasy. And I think that's the danger we face here. It's especially dangerous if you do think some of those grievances are valid. If there's room for some populism in our politics, then it's especially important to resist it becoming confused with conspiracies and fantasies. There was a populist element to Reaganism, no question about it. Mm -hmm. And and Reagan worked with that in a constructive way rather than a destructive way. He turned it to patriotism. He turned it into a defense of the institutions more than an attack on the institutions. I think in every way, that's the opposite of what Donald Trump has done and what a lot of Trump's enabled. I, mean, I,
6: I know Rob has a question, and, and, but if I may, one last question for me, uh, helping to, us to understand this moment in a larger historical context. I don't mean centuries. I mean, by comparison with recent history, I was doing a little re- reading the other day on the Cold War, and I, forgo- I I knew because I was there that Reagan won in 1984 by 49 states out of 50. Mm-hmm. What I'd forgotten was that he won in 1980 by 44 states to six. And it seemed Nixon won big. It seems as though within living memory, at least my living memory, the country was able to say, okay, this guy, okay, that guy. And now we've been in this 49%, 49% stalemate for a couple of decades now. Why is that? What has changed?
7: Well, I think that's a long story of polarization, which is well told through presidential elections, I would say, because most presidential elections in the second half of the 20th centuries were pretty clear. And by today's standards, we would think of them as, as massive routes for the winning candidate. Um, they were often close state by state. It wasn't the case that, that Reagan won by 40 points in the popular vote. That's not what happened. But we didn't have the, 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 the kind of sorting of the country into intensely polarized regional differences that now mean that every presidential election is basically half and half. And not only that, but that by just becoming the candidate of one of the two parties, you start out with something like 46 percent of the vote. And it doesn't matter who you are. You could be Donald Trump. Right. We've seen that you're going to get 46 percent of the vote. And then it's up to you to get another. You know, if you're a Republican, maybe you only need two percent more beyond that to win the the Electoral College. So polarization has meant that we are stuck in this kind of uh, rut. You see it in Congress where in every election there's a possibility of either party winning both houses. That's actually very unusual in American history. But it's been our situation now since the late 1990s.
3: Hey Yuval, it's Rob Long. Thank you for joining us. So, um, why is that bad? I mean, I have two questions for you. One is why is that bad? We keep talking about it's polarized, polarized, polarized. But I'm an old person. I remember before 1994, before Newt Gingrich, that there was a unit party in control of Congress. That wasn't very good. That was stability, of course, but it wasn't a good kind of stability. It seems to me that what we're looking at, not as polarization. I think that's probably a word that we keep using. It's not quite right. It's really volatile. We're in volatile politics, and they're volatile. For the parties, the party apparatuses are what's polarized. The people themselves seem to be happily ticket-splitting left and right. The voters in Wisconsin happily voted against Trump and for their Republican uh, representatives. The people, the electorate, seems to be enormously capable of making subtle and interesting distinctions. It's our leadership that is so derelict.
7: Well, I certainly agree with that. But I think one implication of that is why this is bad, which is that we basically have two minority parties in our politics now. Um, And neither one has been able to establish itself as having something like a majority coalition. Having a majority coalition makes you responsible in a particular way. It says you have to broaden your tent. You have to elect people or you run expecting to elect people both in the deep south and the northwest. And that means you run as a party that thinks about the country's interest. When you're running to barely win, you, you're running to get your voters out. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that is worse for our political culture. I agree. Uh, I agree. It means that you're basically trying to uh, win the extremes of your own party rather than win over voters who might be persuadable, who might be ticket splitting, who sure. might be the kind of voters that make responsible choices. So- and, and
3: who continually do that. I mean, the, the voter behavior is continually, continually reminds you that they are willing to do that. It's the... It's a market failure on the part of the, the product side, not on part of the consumer side. So, uh, so, my next question is more like when I think of the great, you know, meaning large, true American populists, Ronald Reagan would be is a perfect example. Huey Long is a, a good example of that, right? The yep. most famous populist, probably, we can think of as American politics of the 20th century. There was something about them, and Harry, S- Harry Truman, in a way, had that appeal. There was something about those people. One went to Eureka College. One went to I don't know where, and the other went to I don't know where. And now we have, and I know that Truman never went to college. Yeah, Truman was one of the
7: few presidents without a college degree. In fact, and
3: now we have a a pseudo populist president, a billionaire real estate financier who went to Wharton, aided and abetted by this ridiculous cosplay populist of Ted Cruz, went to Harvard Law School, and Josh Hawley went to Yale. I mean. These three ludicrous figures haven't a clue what the American populace or the American populism could possibly be. Isn't there something just the secret here is our uh, how um, decadent Americans have become in their uh, uh, adoration of credentials. And now we have this these capering lunatics, these capering cowards in the Senate who are Ivy League graduates like me, by the way who insist on, you know, dropping their R's and like acting like they're real people. And there's something so false and bad about that. I mean, what we probably need in this country are real populists. I mean, isn't yes. I mean, I'm, now I went on a rant, so stop me.
7: No, I, I, I think that part <laughs> of what we're seeing here is that what what has become of populism is is something that blurs the line between entertainment and politics. What people are looking for is a kind of show. And that's what these folks are putting on. They're putting on a populist show. There is such a thing as populism, which is not just a show. Um, And that is a response to some real problems. I think you can see some of that in the in the sorts of people you talk about, whatever you think of any one of them. But what we are looking at now is a populism that simply understands itself as a form of entertainment that is appealing to viewers more than to voters. Mm-hmm. And that's, e- e- even for populism, which always has problems from my point of view, which always is a challenge to our form of government, um, it, it is a particularly low form of, uh, of appealing to voters. And as you say, so much of it is fake. You know, it's okay to go to the Ivy League schools, right? As, as we say, not everybody can go to the University of Chicago, that's all right. But you have to, <laughs> you have to own what you are. And I, I, yeah. The idea that these guys are speaking for the people is just absurd. Right.
3: Uh, and I, I have been corrected. Holly did not go to Yale; he went to Stanford and Stanford Law. So it seems to me, like just from looking at the evidence, that Yale's okay.
7: Uh, no, he went to Yale's an no. undergrad, but I'm not sure. Maybe
6: I don't know that that usual that striking lack of self knowledge, Rob. Uh, hey, you all. Rob. It, it, rob is attacking the parties the parties the parties and i think i under, I mean i understand why he's looking at this he's going back to ted cruz and josh Hawley. they're republicans got it where how where does the disintegration or the the dissolving of the old-fashioned party structure fit into this story uh there is in california there's a something that calls itself a Republican party, but the old, in the old days, you actually, if you had a problem with a neighborhood park, you knew who to, and you were in the Republican party and you're in a Republican town. I grew up in a place like this. You could call the town supervisor and there were a Republican part, likewise on the democratic side, although those were more, and much of that has dissolved. Uh, where I mean, it seems to me Rob is attacking the parties, but I suspect, but haven't thought this through, that the dissolution of the parties may be more of a. You just have yeah. figures up on top who get to open their mouths, and if they get if they get some traction on an argument, they don't have to actually worry about moving party regulars with them. They just get results in polls. It's a, it's a lack of structure, lack of party in a way. I think.
7: Yeah, I I, I think it. I think it makes sense to attack the parties, but I would attack them for being too weak, not too strong. What what do the parties actually do in politics? The parties, the the function of our two big parties is to broaden their appeal, not to narrow their appeal. The party is that institution that has to run a candidate in both Alabama and Oregon. And so Mm -hmm. is that institution that has to think about how to make a broad appeal. And because of a variety of factors, campaign finance reform played a big part in, in this. I think social media in some ways has played a big part. And in general, the democratization of our politics has meant that the parties have become, rather than being in the business of candidate selection and agenda building, the parties now are platforms. They're places That's to stand. That's right. And they, they've just become, and, and frankly, like a lot of our other institutions, they're just, Congress has become a platform too. And for similar reasons, they're just a place to stand and they're a stage for narcissists to use to elevate themselves. And so I think the way back is stronger parties, not weaker parties. But, that, but stronger parties means institutions with a sense of identity who can say this guy should be or this guy shouldn't be our candidate. Our parties are just nothing like that at this point.
5: all, well, you know, the question about whether an elite can be a populist goes back to Claudius Pulcher in Rome. So I mean, we've been having this debate for 2000 years. What seems to be yeah. unique about this moment is the way. James, did that- you
6: go to an Ivy League school, too? You're no, trotting out all
5: this <laughs> learned University of Minnesota. No, I'm doing oh, my best. VDH. You're the populist on the show. Oh. My, my best VDH. You're impress. the authentic man on this show. Oh, yes. That's me, man of the people. Um, but was I going to say, oh, that there's there's something so peculiarly media age postmodern about the populism today, because it's blended with these narratives that are complex and, and, and full of characters and full of stories in a way that just general Reagan era populism wasn't. That was a fairly simple uh, you know, project back then. Now, when you have Q infesting everything, I mean, Q on is the X-Files of 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 modern day politics and it, 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 in the true sense in that chris carter could never write his way out of that program q kept coming up with more and more elaborate nonsense until you have these stories in which people are invested how do you last question how do you dynamite uh, us out of that where you have so many people as you mentioned social media involved in things that are simply fantastical nonsense that 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 creep their tendrils upward yeah,
7: this is an enormous challenge. And, and it's in a sense where we started. I think it's always a challenge in populist politics. And this kind of thing did exist beneath the surface in prior forms of American populism. But it's effectively dealt with by leaders, basically by being pushed to the side, by being ignored. Populist leaders have to take some of the concerns their voters raise and say, this is what we're about and take other concerns their voters raise and put them to the side and never mention them or ridicule them. We, you know, the, 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 the Birchers were part of the populist right in, in that golden age of of, uh, of American conservatism. But there were also leaders on the right who were willing to say, this is not who we are, and that's not what we're concerned about. I think a lot of what we're lacking now are leaders who are willing to do that, to say there are some populist concerns that belong in our politics. There's also this patent nonsense, which has no place in our politics. We're seeing a lot of the opposite. And, you know, that's a way to appeal to some voters. But I think it's a failure to understand the role of a political leader in our system of government. And our system doesn't just trust leaders and give them all the power, but it doesn't just trust the people and give them all the power either. It requires each to constrain and contain the other. And right now, the failure that's happening is a leadership failure to grasp that responsibility.
5: Well, I'm the last man to talk about this because when I lived in D.C., Comet was my liquor store.
1: Chum-a. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
2: Chumbacasino.com. No
1: purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18
2: plus terms and conditions apply. See website
5: for details. i Ping Pong and of course that's where you know, the portal to the underground pedophilia network began. Uh, okay. all thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast and uh, we'll talk to you again next Thanks. Thanks, all. all right well how do you feel about that do you feel gentlemen as though the populism is a bugaboo that's keeping you from uh, you know attaining your personal happiness or well i think mean, it's
3: interesting just... i wonder what a democrat would say cuz the democrats have been saying their parties are too strong that's what led them to defeat in 2016 um, you know they had all those superdelegates they had a, they, that was those a strong party superdelegates so they get rid of them so, so we just talked about know, to... that with that maybe two parties are in two different places who knows i don't know
5: so we just literally spoke about how I was going to set up the ad that I would do later before we go to Andy. Oh, I'm sorry, because you, cause you then, asked a question, so I answered it. Right, and you actually took a segue interruption as a mandate for a serious response. Rob, you've, I'm you've just been listening under the weather. Are, are, are you okay? I
3: have. I have COVID. You're attacking a COVID, uh, a COVID survivor, <laughs> a COVID hero. So you're, you're, essentially, you're attacking a, a first responder. <laughs>
5: That's right. Just the same as. All right. Hey, is there something interfering with your happiness besides Rob Long interfering your segues, you know, or preventing you from achieving your goals of getting to the ad right, like Rob Long interfering with your segues? Let me tell you about something. Actually, people do have problems that are a lot more serious than that. And that's where better help comes in. BetterHelp. They'll assess your needs and they'll match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, it's not self help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas, but the service is available for clients worldwide. And in fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states, meeting the needs. You can log into your account anytime. Send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses that you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions if you wish. So you ever want to have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room in a plastic chair shifting around there looking at an old magazine. That's traditional therapy. That's not this. No, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to do so. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. So visit BetterHelp.com/rico21. Rico21 for the new year. That's better H-E-L-P, and join the over one million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for us here at Ricochet: listeners get ten percent off your first month at BetterHelp.com/rico21. BetterHelp.com/rico21. And our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this, the Ricochet podcast.
3: We are joined now by Andy McCarthy. Andy, thank you for joining us. Um, I I don't even know where to begin. Every single question I have, and I've had for the past 48 hours almost, I thought, I got to ask Andy. Uh, So there's no organization to this. I'm just going to jump in because it's the first thing I thought of. Donald Trump writes a piece of paper, pardons himself. The only way to know whether that pardon works is for that him then to be charged and to see what the courts say. Is that right?
8: Correct. Yes. So, I mean, I, I think, Rob, that hi. there's no reason, I mean, other than our sort of um, moral and ethical sense that you shouldn't be able to pardon yourself, there's nothing right in the literal Constitution. And, you know, if you're going to go back to the way Justice Scalia would read the Constitution, I think, which is very influential on the way the rest of the Supreme Court does. You start with the text. There's no textual prohibition on the president pardoning himself. And it's unlikely to me that there there was any intention of having one because the framers went out of their way for the for the, to say that the president can't pardon himself from impeachment so, so it's, I don't yeah. think you can plausibly say they didn't think I of see. this possibility.
3: So, it's possible that the very people who are arguing that by the text of the Constitution, Donald Trump can, in fact, pardon himself would also be arguing by the text of the Constitution that Vice President Pence cannot change the election, right? I mean, either you're an originalist or you're not an originalist. It doesn't Correct. seem like that's, right. that. Those two things don't seem like they are logically the same. Right.
8: Yeah. Although, I, you know, I, I would wish that everybody um, interpreted and, and applied the Constitution <laughs> in a principled way. But my experience is that tends not to happen, <laughs> depending on what the uh, expedience of the situation may be.
3: OK, I got one more. I know that Peter and James want to get in. Um, just assume for a minute that he pardons himself. And we all decide, well, what a great act of patriotism in a way, because now we can finally find out what it is. Right. And he's charged. (laughs) What on earth could he be charged with? I mean, I think the guy is a piece of trash. But I read the speech that he gave on the mall. And I don't think that
6: sounds doesn't sound like it doesn't rise to the level of incitement as a legal matter. If you were a prosecutor,
3: would uh, you be confident taking that case?
8: I happen to be one of the uh, few, uh, well, former now, federal prosecutors who actually did an incitement case. Um, oh, really? We charged, we actually convicted the blind shake on two counts of incitement mm-hmm. to uh, crimes of violence. So I can tell you with confidence that there is no incitement case against the president. The incitement case against the blind shake was, despite the fact that I had unambiguous evidence. I mean, he said, uh, you know, attack U.S. military installations and kill Mubarak, right? Could not have been more clear. But the First Amendment makes incitement a very tough proof. And I had to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt that when he said those things, this is not like, you know, the guy behind third base who yells, kill the umpire, right? Um, You have to show that he really intended the violent crime to happen and that he was in a position to make it happen and he knew that Mm -hmm. so with with a notorious international terrorist who's done this sort of thing before that's one kind of case but where you have a president who makes demagogic statements but not really anything that actually explicitly called for violence um you know there's one way that you would analyze this as impeachment but there's a different way that you'd analyze it as a matter of the criminal law. And under the criminal law, there's no incitement case. Under, you know, what Hamilton's idea of impeachment was, I don't think there's any doubt that it's impeachable.
6: So, Andy, yeah, Peter here. Sorry, can you hear me, Andy? Yeah, okay. yeah so, I can. So can you just take me through? This is layman to a professional. I'm the layman, obviously. You're, the, you're very much the professional. It's dominating the headlines today, all the calls for removing Trump from office, 25th Amendment, the suggestion, the argument, the demand in some quarters that the cabinet get together and that Vice President Pence and the cabinet invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Trump from office that way. As I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the point of asking the question. That's a no-go because the 25th Amendment Spe- is, is specifically states grounds of mental or physical incompetence. The man is robust. He's mentally, uh, in other words, it would be misusing the 25th Amendment to, re- to remove Trump from an office for an action of which everybody disapproved, but that would be a misuse of the constitutional amendment. Correct or not?
8: Correct, Peter. And I think the last point that you made about misuse is the key one because oddly i think because we're so close to the end of the president's term the temptation is there to abuse this because it would be a much easier if you were willing to do that um it would be much easier and you could run the clock out than trying to do an impeachment uh, with a you know a House impeachment proceeding, and then a Senate trial at this point. Because if you were willing to abuse it, um, what happens under the 25th Amendment is once the vice president, and I should preface this by saying I understand the vice president has no interest in invoking this, but yes. let's say hypothetically, if the vice president and more than half that is a majority of the cabinet were to invoke it, immediately the vice president becomes the acting president. And then the ball would shift to President Trump. He could um, file a writing with the president pro tem of the Senate and with Speaker Pelosi saying that there is no disability and he wants his uh, power back. His job back. And at that point, Pence could either accede to that or he and the half the cabinet that he has, the majority of the cabinet, could contest it with the Senate and the House, they would then have 21 days to act on it, during which time Pence would be r- would remain acting president. So the reason I think this is tempting to people is even though legally it's it should be inapplicable because we're not talking about a profound medical disability here. Right. The temptation here is that practically speaking, you could run the clock out past January 20th before you'd have to really get down to the point of whether this qualified as a real disability under the 25th Amendment.
6: If the impulse is to get Trump, that would be one set way of satisfying the impulse, even though it would abuse the Constitution, roughly, is the point.
8: The, the, what... Yeah, I, I okay. mean, i I. I wouldn't put it that way, because I, I think, you know, to the extent that there is a legitimate concern yep. that he could do something wild and crazy in the next few days, it's not so much getting him as getting the power All away right. from right. so us. That's what the temptation
6: So, is. So another one just sort of layman to professional on impeachment. You said a moment ago that you have no doubt that the president's remarks represent an impeachable offense. If you could explain that, but first just the nuts and bolts. The house we know is run by the speaker. As a practical matter, if the speaker wants something to happen fast, the speaker, this speaker, any speaker can cause it to happen fast. That's the way the rules of the house operate. So the house could draw up, it would still take some time. She'd have to have lawyers draw up articles of impeachment, but they'd have to, she could move them through in what, 48 hours perhaps. But then the rules of the Senate offer the accused a trial and the president would have the right to legal representation and to call witnesses. How on earth could that, just as a mechanical question, how on earth could that move in, in the next 12 days?
8: Let, let me preface this by saying uh, that uh, this sounds trite, but it's important. Uh, due process is the process that is due number one, and that always depends on the circumstances and Number two, as Justice Jackson famously pointed out, the Constitution is not a suicide pact right so let 's let 's put president President Trump to the side for a second and imagine that we woke up to smoking gun news that the that the elected president was a Russian spy, and that everybody agreed that the the evidence was undeniable and you had to get this guy out instantly like you couldn't wait another second to get him out uh it can't be that because in a perfect situation where we could do it that we would give one quality of due process um to a president who had been impeached that that be, that we become a slave to that desire to to accord that quantum of due process If the national security of the United States uh, required moving the the president out of office as quickly as possible, so the fact that we have an ideal of due process doesn't mean that we have to come up to it if the situation is too exigent. Just like in a, you know, in a wartime situation, we don't give due process to the people that we attack, you know, because due process in wartime is, is military force. So it always depends on what the emergency, what the crisis situation is, and what you can afford to do under those circumstances in the way of due process. Um, That said, if I'm Mitch McConnell, and let's remember now Chuck Schumer does not become the majority leader until after Kamala Harris is sworn in. So this is really on McConnell uh, at this point. He has to be concerned with, the precedent that's being set for future impeachments, because if they tried to zoom something through, like we're talking about, you would have to strip down due process to a bare minimum. And a lot of people would say it was beneath the bare minimum. So again, it's a situation where you would have to weigh how profound do you think the crisis is versus what due process do you owe to the president under the circumstances?
6: And Andy McCarthy views the correct outcome as?
8: Here's what I'd like to see, ideally. I I would rather um, see this play out so that we got through the next 12 days without having to put the country through this, because I really think that um, it's not just what happens in Washington. Um, I, I happen to think that, you know, President Trump was very demagogic in connection with the election in the last two months. But whether, it, whether I like it or not, the fact is that tens of millions of people, and I'm not talking about people who want to burn the capital down. I'm-
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba
2: life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talking about like tens of millions of
8: people who support Trump. You know, 20 million, 30 million, whatever it is. A lot of them think the election was stolen. And will not react well to an impeachment. And I just think in the year that we've had, with all the violence that we've had and all the stress in the, and the division in the country, if we can get through this without having to remove the president in the next 12 days, we should do that. Um, on the other hand, I, I have a lot of um, respect and confidence in Pence, in McConnell, uh, in a lot of the uh, the leadership in the executive branch. And if they thought that they don't have this thing nailed down and that President Trump is going to do something ruinous, then I think they have to act at that point. Um, I hope that that I hope that what we saw last night where he came out and said, yes, there'll be an orderly transition if it can still be called orderly at this point. (laughs) um, Then I I hope that uh, that means that we can just sort of take a deep breath and and try to ratchet the thing, the pressure down and let's get through. The next dozen days, I think the best thing for the country would be for the president to resign with an agreement that Pence would pardon him. Because I don't think there's a criminal case against him anyway, so it's not like you're giving anything away. the The federal pardon wouldn't have any effect on the investigations in New York State. I actually hope they don't go anyplace either, but it wouldn't wouldn't make any difference. Uh, and I think. What you would get is Pence could do that with Trump giving an agreement that he would not seek elective office anymore. Because I think if he doesn't give that agreement, the penalties for impeachment under the Constitution are not only removal, but disqualification. So Mm -hmm. you could actually see the president being impeached after he leaves office if -hmm. the Democrats badly enough want to disqualify him from holding office in the future.
5: Hmm. Andy, you mentioned the New York case. Uh, There's a belief on the left, um, belief on the right, that Trump is going to face a welter of of, of indictments and accusations and lawsuits and Mm -hmm. the rest of it, that there's this vast quantity of of malfeasance waiting to be answered and exposed. What are they talking about exactly?
8: Well, James, remember, uh, I think it was 2018 the times did this blockbuster, um, God, it was thousands of words. I think it's 20, 25,000 word report on, uh, the Trump family's financial practices in, in the, uh, real estate business. Right, um, uh, and right, they, there you. were a lot of allegations about tax fraud yeah. and, uh, mm-hmm. bank fraud and that sort of stuff. My sense, uh, Pouring over that at the time was that a lot of what they were talking about was time barred and that most of the reason that they were doing this report was because of what it said about, you know, Trump's propensity to engage in uh, what they allege was dishonest conduct. I want to stress none of this has been proved in court, but I don't know that it's, um, you know, the attorney, the uh, district attorney in New York County, Manhattan, uh, has been looking at this. Um, whether there is a case that's live that involves financial fraud, um, it, you know, that isn't uh, that isn't like you know 20 years old. Some of it, um, I, I have my doubts because there are other people in Trump's family who could have been charged by now if they actually had a case. I mean, it's one thing to say you don't want to, you know, we're not going to charge the president. No one's been charged. Um, so I, I have my doubts about whether they'll actually go forward with this, and I, I don't know. You guys probably have the same uh, take on history as I do in this regard. Usually, once you've moved on to a new administration, nobody wants to go back over, um, you know, the your your political opponents uh, as potential criminal targets in the rearview mirror. It's one thing to say. Um, you know, going forward, you know, we need to lock Hillary up and we need to lock this one up. We need to not, once the once the election is over, I think, especially, you know, I, I have some confidence in Merrick Garland, who I got to know um, during the- Wait, 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 he's alive? Trial. <laughs> Merrick Garland is alive? I, uh, Attorney General, General Garland. Attorney General. Um, but I don't think he or Biden is going to see any upside in pursuing Trump. And I kind of think, democrats in general i know that you know people are insane about trump the thing i've never understood on the right or the left is um how trump has either a cult grab on some people or causes derangement in others you know he yeah. just he is what he is and i i kind of think once he's gone um hopefully cooler heads will prevail and people just want to move on but as i as i said a second ago, I think if he's still a live potential um, office seeker for 2024, then everybody's calculation has to has right. to factor that in.
3: Of course, if he uh, hey Andy, it's Rob again. Of course, if he runs in 2024, he's going to be uh, in uh, some Iowa state. Uh, state fair, uh, you know, fried butter eating stall with his former <laughs> vice president. It's going to be a very interesting debate in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, so I got to, here's a, I know you got to go. I'm going to ask you an incredibly unfair thought experiment. So get Not ready. you, Rob. Yes, a, a very unfair. <laughs> um, imagine that the Democrats had not already gone through what I think we agree on, maybe we don't, but I, I certainly I think was a completely pointless and, and, and frankly unfounded uh, impeachment exercise. Right. Would it be different right now? Would the impeachment conversation now be different?
8: I don't think so. Uh, and only because I agree with you that that was a completely pointless exercise, but I think it's so pointless and th- the Trump years have been like, dog years in the, in the sense that we're just <laughs> you know by the time by the time we got to um by the time we got to the democratic convention that thing was never the fact that he, they impeached That's it true. was never even mentioned in their yeah. um in their convention so i kind of feel like it's like it never happened it's a good question because it should it should matter to us uh but i think the only thing it the only impact it may have now is because they've just done it. They could probably do it again faster. Like you know, you could make the awesome. machine work Good a little point. bit faster than you could before. But I don't think in terms of people's you, perception. You've already got of it. The page I don't think bookmarked
3: it, on the on your yes, browser.
8: That's right. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I was ready to give Peter. I have my whole uh, shtick about uh, you know. It doesn't have to be a criminal offense that's indictable under <laughs> federal law. I I, I I did that speech enough times. <laughs> um, I could do it in my sleep. I I just hope not to do it in everybody else's sleep.
5: No. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Andy, it's been great as usual, but I've just learned that you were on a national review cruise and that invalidates everything you said, because it just means that... People can put a little cruise ship icon next to your name on a Twitter feed, and uh, that's it. There's no reason to listen to you, even though you wrote "Ball of Collusion" and that uh, that, that great story about the uh, the Trump years. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's, that's how people. That's how you. That's how you are declared an unperson these days. So we'll have to let you go. But we hope to talk to you soon, and we hope to talk to you about. Uh, uh, I. I, I I don't think we're going to be talking about the Biden legal strategy to to deal with all of the impeachment talk about his uh, China Burisma Hunter Biden financing, because I, 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 I for some odd, strange reason, I don't think we're going to go there. But we'll see. So thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you later.
8: Thanks, Jen. Happy New Year.
6: Happy New
5: Year to you, Andy. Yeah. And by the way, one of the reasons that we know that Andy McCarthy was on a national cruise is because we've uncovered documents that show his internet access happened in the Virgin Islands. Yes, we've got the records. Do we do that? Those, record, those records, Those records can actually very can just sink, sink very a man's private, reputation. Very secure. So those records are very secure, as you know. There's no way to breach them. Log your internet activity, and they sell that data to other big tech companies or advertisers. Yeah. We know what's happening, you don't like it. To prevent ISPs from seeing my internet activity, I protect my devices with ExpressVPN, because I'm not stupid, I'm not paranoid, just don't want them to know. So what is ExpressVPN? Well, it's a simple app for your computer or your smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server. So your ISP cannot see your activity. They don't have to see it, they don't get to see it, they don't see it. Think how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, you know, every time you visit a site or a video you watch or a message you send, gets tracked by ISPs or other tech giants who can then sell your information for profit. It's the reason that I recommend ExpressVPN is the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. Just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. Bingo. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection either. That is why it is rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. Who know what they're talking about? So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell your info. Now, protect yourself today with a VPN I trust to keep myself private online. Visit expressvpn.com ricochet that's e x p r e s s com slash ricochet what do you get you get three extra months free free three extra months go to expressvpn.com slash ricochet right now for more and we thank expressvpn for sponsoring this the ricochet podcast so Rob, but you are you are doing better. I mean, you seem. Are we recording this? We should,
3: this is this is good chit chat. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, uh, but I, here's something I didn't go. say, we, which we could have talked about at some point, was that I, I, I acquired the virus, as we say in our, in in the virus community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I acquired it in Dallas, in Dallas, Texas. So, despite all my uh, loathing of the ridiculous senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, I have to say, marched in with my mother, my, my, my 82-year-old mother, to get our COVID, positive COVID test. And uh, the irony, of course, is he looked at my mother and said, so how, what medications are you on, ma'am? And she said, None because my mother doesn't, she's fine. And he says, what medications are you on, sir? And then I sort of had to hang my head in shame and list the various prescriptions that I take daily. And he looked at me and said, okay, well, you're kind of in a risk group. To me, to, my, to me, and not my mother. <laughs> but in any case, because you're in Texas, the first thing they did was they just, they, they, they juiced us up with steroids. They gave us a pack and they sent us to CVS to get hydro, hydroxychloroquine. Did which they really did. Yes they did which we did and but he did say something kind of alarming he said my advice to you is to go to CBS, mm-hmm. not Walgreens that is alarming why i guess he'd heard that people at Walgreens were like whoa, we're not really this is not really indicated for your you know because it's whatever Walgreens is too woke i guess i don't i don't i don't i don't know this is I it's, not, say, up to, say, it's just, not up to them to say exactly right but now okay so then then we then quarantined the house and split it down the middle. It was me and my nephew and my mom and then my brother, sister-in-law and niece on the other side. Basically, we met out, outdoors on the front porch and the back porch. How okay. old is your nephew? 15. Little typhoid uh, football player. Um, but very mild case for everybody, right? Very mild. But at some point, it was like, you know, because they had already gotten negative tests. You guys should go back and get another test. So, they go back and get another test, and of course, they're positive too. So, now the whole house is positive. Oh. But this is what they said to my brother. Now, very mild symptoms. So, I'm not, you know, there are no complaints here. They said to my brother, uh, okay, here's what we're going to do. You get, I think he had a Z Pack, uh, no steroids, no hydroxychloroquine for you, but we do want you to take ivermectin. Now, ivermectin is a miracle drug. They're using it in the third world, all the because the third world has tons of ivermectin. Ivermectin is a drug. That, take, that, that that eliminates scabies. It's a scabies medication. So in Pakistan and in India and in Africa, where there are scabies outbreaks, scabies is a skin, is a skin, is itchy skin the fungus, I think is what it is. Uh, and it's blood bloodborne. And uh, ivermectin kills it. And that's what they gave my brother ivermectin. So somewhere there are doctors actually doing the work hmm. of trying stuff and there's plenty of evidence This just ivermectin is effective we should get uh, dr savage and dr j back on here to find out and plenty of evidence i mean and that's no evidence but i can say exhibit a and my mom hydroxychloroquine they whatever we did it would seem to work so um at some point when we're all done uh trying to tear the country apart we'll we'll have a nice big uh, roundup of what happened when covid hit how oh. how do the cures work and what should we do next time? And I, I look I thought, forward to that. Yeah, I ahead. thought
5: that Ivor was a producer of wildlife documentaries in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: exactly. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, I think the this,
6: the the, uh, the undersecretary, the Duma. Yeah, Ivor Mechtin. You said you had very mild symptoms. Yeah. One day, What's one day in the back of my mind day. is I have several times had a terrible sinus infection. Yeah. And then I get the Z pack and I actually can feel I feel better within within six hours, say, three, yeah. four hours even. Could you hydrochlorine, the Z pack did anything make a dramatic difference? Did you feel I, I, better? I don't know because I, I we, we took
3: it and then developed symptoms. Oh I see. because right? okay. so early. So I think just, with the steroids and the hydroxychloric when you take it early on and it's it's good for you. Um Again, we, this was really a conversation time with Dr. J and with George. We should actually bring them back and have that. Um, there was one day for everybody of sort of a kind of like awful bad fever, flu, not feeling good, tired all the time, not hungry.
6: Um, and were and you worried day, at this point for your mom? Yes. Right, and worried right. for me according to the doctor
3: the hell hell, she's fine
4: okay your mother
6: is a national treasure
3: right exactly no i think uh, that is the other problem the the most stressful thing about it for me i mean other people have it worse but was that it's like it's like going through life with spooky music playing every time anything happens it's Mm -hmm. like wait a minute i just coughed is this the beginning (laughs) <laughs> mm. I think I have yeah. a kind of headache. Is this the yep. beginning? Yep. And so you end up. You know, we ended up. It was absurd. My my nephew and my mother and I went like every thirty minutes. We were like, "Have you checked your temperature? Have you done your blood oxygen?" We had the thing on our finger. We were right. like mm-hmm. shooting the thing in our forehead, and we were like. And at some point, at one night, it just became. I just started to compete with my nephew because I was. If you shoot the gun at your forehead. It has, it, it does it with beeps. So one beep, you're fine. Two beeps, eh, three beeps, you got a fever. Mm. And uh, I just got, I got one beep for like three and a half hours in a row. I said, I'm, I'm president of the One Beep Club. And my nephew really bugged my nephew. He was very competitive. He's an athlete. He's like, oh, give it to me. He goes, and he always got two beeps, or sometimes uh. you got three beeps. You're like, ooh, you know, guess you got to <laughs> get up a little earlier. To be a part of the one beep club, but <laughs> that's about all that I could say. And then, and then, you know, then is the humiliation of putting the thing on your finger, and your eighty-two-year-old yeah. mother has her blood oxygen saturation at ninety-nine percent, and I'm at ninety-three. Like, what, <laughs> what happened to me? She's like ninety-nine percent. It's like give me some of that oxygen. But, but what do I care now? I got the antibodies. I'm I'm uh, I'm, a, I'm like am like a demigod
5: at this point. You don't what have about, to worry about what queen. about
6: what are you are you drinking that coffee with cream? Has has your have your t- has taste returned? Uh, taste has return. I never drink it with cream. I always drink it black. Okay, I, um, just... but it did go
3: away. It did go away. And the weird thing is, it goes away like you, when you have a cold, but you don't. You're not stuffed up, so you're breathing fine, but you just can't smell anything. You can taste. You can taste sweet, sour, bitter. You can taste that stuff. Oh, you can taste. You can't. Right. Yeah, you can't smell anything, so you can't really taste anything, uh, and that is very weird. And then it then when you finally can, it it's like. I can, it's like smelling a cup of coffee that's across the room. You can kind of, oh, I see kind of like, but it's, it's like, it's like distant. It's really very interesting.
5: Oh, the number of the number the the number of people who have revealed themselves to be perfidious agents of the deep state and the rest of it grows every every day. And it's I I mean, I go to websites that I used to really enjoy and don't enjoy anymore because Mm. they're 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 just involved in tightening the circle to this to this little small little ring in which the elect uh, shall stand. And uh, it's dismaying. No matter what you said or accomplished or did before, you are instantaneously banished as an unperson. Um, unless you follow along certain prescribed ideas.
6: By the way, just... There's no room for for If anybody who who attacked Mitch McConnell by way of a note to me yesterday Mm -hmm. saying that he's in bed with the CCP, Communist Party of China, I believe what they're referring to is that his wife Elaine Chao comes from a Chinese family. Mm-hmm. A, oh Elaine, who was Secretary of Transportation, just stepped down. She resigned yesterday in protest. But B, and this is really important, Elaine's family is Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. They are not mainland. Now, like many people in Taiwan, there's business that goes back and forth between Taiwan and the mainland. But Elaine's family feels no warmth or sympathy Oh my oh, God! For the communist also, party of China, lane, I mean, you know, all your, due
3: respect you know. to Secretary Chao, she's an old lady. Her parents are old, like they're not just they've uh, l- recent Taiwanese zillionaires. They are freedom fighters. Oh yes. like they they, they you know, they're, 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 that is like saying, well, you know, the Solzhenitsyns, they're in bed with Putin. It's like no, quite yeah. the reverse. Uh, they, they, that's the weirdest thing too. Also, I no. feel like. You know, the the Mitch McConnell Mitch McConnell will be an interesting story to tell because the hatred and then the embrace of Mitch McConnell from Republicans, I mean, just forget Democrats, from people in his own party, from Trump supporters, just just, just that one subset of Trump supporters is whiplash inducing. He
5: should have been primaried, and then we're not gonna primary him, and then he's the
3: greatest guy, and then we're like
5: you know, Well, gentlemen, before we go and wrap it up, I promised everybody in the comments yesterday that I had a solution that was going to bring the warring elements of the right together. Do you think all that's ears. possible, first of all? I mean, we have these two camps, the you know the, 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 the Trump can do no wrong and the absolutely detest the man, and there's just a lot of us in the middle and the rest of it. How do we bring these things together? What one, ma- what weir- what one weird trick, as they say in the Internet, could we do to go forward and have productive conversations? And I think it's this, we stop talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. Just imagine it. I mean, just imagine if after he's out of office, we just not to yeah. banish him or not to say, we're not going to talk about that evil spirit. But if we, we just don't talk about him, we don't have it because everything comes back to that. I put up a piece on Ricochet last night about pushing a guy out of the snow, and it was almost a test to see how long it would take to come back to Trump. I haven't kind of checked all the comments yet, but it's entirely possible that it does. If we just remove that and just say we're moving on, we, we don't view each other through the prism of Trump. If the word doesn't come up, we don't have the opportunity to view other people through the prism of their stance on Trump. I actually think we can get something done. Is that the most hopelessly naive thing you've ever heard in your life? Makes I think sense. it's naive.
3: I think it's hopefully naive. I don't think it's bad. I think, it. yeah, that, that, that could happen. I, I think the the... Uh, I had a very contentious dinner party in August, I told you about this, in which I recommend, I was the only, there were two people there saying the same thing, me and ironically Ann Coulter, And we're all saying the same thing to a bunch of people who are very, very rich and very, very smart and much too rich and much too smart to be saying what they were saying at that party. And we both, I predicted, and I told you, that there was going to be a blue wave in November. And I was wrong. I mean, you know, it turns out I was kind of technically right, but I was not right in the spirit of it. But what I said, which I still do believe in, is that the Republicans, if they want to survive, if they don't, it's fine. They need to cut him loose. Start a bonfire, throw him on it. Not just not talk about him, trash him. Kill the demon and then move on. Because if they don't, if they weasel worded, if they equivocate, if it's like, well, 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 the other side, I'm just predicting the other side is going to have a field day and they, they're going to be raising money off this guy forever. The best thing to do is I think is not only your decision, but it's tactical matter as a practical piece of political strategy in a country in which that actually matters. If You want to get something done, trash him, cut him loose, bury him 20 feet deep.
5: And Peter, you would do this while preserving a admiration of the accomplishments of the administration. How?
6: I don't know, honestly. I just I am just going to say that I don't know. My uh, I'll tell you who I'll be keeping an eye on. Rob has mentioned um, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley a number of times in this podcast as having uh, disgraced themselves. Tom Cotton strikes me as having covered himself in a certain kind of glory. Agreed. He represents Arkansas. Arkansas is as supportive of Donald Trump as any state in the union. Tom Cotton has had tried to be used the, these last four years and a creative, in a politically creative way. We don't often think of politics that way, but he kept looking for openings to get things done that were useful and important. And that meant working with the, with the president and his administration as often as he could. And Tom Cotton said, no, what you are suggesting would damage the constitution. I will not challenge the electoral vote. And um, for a guy whose constituents support Donald Trump powerfully, that was a certain, that was a certain, I actually, I, I think of the old, kennedy slash Sorensen book profiles and courage we now now it's uncontested that ted Sorensen actually wrote the darn thing <laughs> um but he seems to have talked it over with young senator kennedy and which there are moments profiles of of people just doing things that are courageous and i i, I think that, that was one statement there's more mm-hmm. but that was that was a remarkable thing for tom cotton to do I, i'll keep Great. an eye on him and you know what? And and I mean, I don't know. I need to know more about this before I say it. So I'm going to spout
3: out this. So I could be wrong. I mean, am I crazy to think that the governor of Florida is a incredibly
6: impressive chief executive of the state? You are not crazy at all. Ron DeSantis has the he reads he's this square built guy with a gravelly voice and he reads as though he just climbed down from a cab that just tanked up at james's family place up in fargo and then you look at his record in other words he comes across as a as an as an ordinary person of the kind yeah. that you were descri- And then it turns out he went to yale and harvard oh i, I guess remember. that's true i can't remember which was undergrad <laughs> and which was uh, law school he was a Rhodes Scholar. There's that. And yet, yeah. and then he was a, a decorated officer in the United States Army. This guy has a tremendous resume. And will, so, so there's a second person worth yeah. watching. And I mean worth watching with regard to the specific question that James raised. How, What is the right way to handle Donald Trump? Ignore him? Bury him? For Ron DeSantis, this will be a special problem because Donald Trump, for as far as we can tell, intends to—he's established residency in Florida. He intends to make Mar-a-Lago his uh, his base. But Ron DeSantis is tremendously impressive, in my opinion, worth watching. Right? Yeah, we need new voices. We need new people. Yep. Um, I mean, it's it's, it's,
5: just—it's—it's—it's instructive. I said, you know what? Let's just stop talking about. Trump and rob says i agree but first we have to encase him in a lead vault and drop him <laughs> in the mariana's trench yes and then the other people saying, i agree but first we have to make sure there's a statue in the national mall No, both of these things no no just 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 we'll all be happy we have been so focused on this man for half of a century he has consumed all of but, the oxygen guess- in the room and it, you've, you just have yeah but i guess the, the, end- the naivete for for the, the
3: night na- i i love the hopefulness but the naivete part of it is that the The this is if you care about Republican Party politics, if you care about the conservative movement, which is now, uh, you know, which and and the Republican Party, for better or worse, has been the only the only uh, force for conservatism in American politics for decades. Right. So if you care about that, then I think you have to care about this. If you're a Democrat, you're not going to stop talking about Trump. You're not going to stop talking about Trump forever. You're Mm -hmm. going to talk about Trump all along. You're going to every time Trump appeared with a with a Republican, anybody running against a Republican politician is going to run the picture of him standing him or her standing next to Trump forever. We did it with Jimmy Carter. We did it with Hillary Clinton. We gave him this gift the Republicans should be saying of Donald Trump. So w- Republicans may want to not talk about Donald Trump, but the Democrats are going to love it. So we That's need true. to have so a point of view about it. And the point of view, I think, for the Republicans should be, the guy was a disaster. I repudiate him completely. G- good riddance to bad rubbish. Instead of this, well, you know, good riddance to bad rubbish. Politics is, is, is a rough sport. He gets no zero loyalty that would be my pitch to the republicans cuz he's toxic he is chernobyl but you know i i fully expect the republicans to do the stupid thing cuz that's what
5: they've been doing for a long time Rob, I didn't expect that from you. Actually, all of this comes as quite of a surprise. I think it'll generate <laughs> two hundred and thirty comments in the post at Ricochet, which I advise you all to do. And one of the reasons that Ricochet is still around, by the way, is because it's brought to you by fine sponsors like ButcherBox, by BetterHelp, and ExpressVPN. Support them for supporting us. And of course, if you well, you've already gone to Apple, you know, the, the podcast thing and given us five stars. I know that. But why don't you log in under a assumed name and do it again? No, that's not ethical. No, you. What do you haven't gone and given us five stars? Give us five stars. It helps. Makes people see Ricochet surfaces the podcast. And the next thing you know, we got new members because new members are what keeps the site going. And the conversation in the member feed this week has been lit as the kids say, uh, and we're working through things, but it's a community that uh, does this stuff and we're grappling, we're grappling. We are. And we'll grapple some more next week. All right, gentlemen, it's been fun. Got to wrap it up. Got to let people get back to whatever they're doing, because I imagine that even if those who are listening to us on a treadmill stopped at some point, just contemplative and put their arms on the crossbar and just stared into the middle distance and listened to the wisdom here, right? Right? Yep. Right. No, I, yes, yes. Okay, wisdom. Got it. <laughs> it's been fun, guys. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, and we'll see everybody in the comments at Ricochet 4.0. Happy vitamin D, vitamin Next C, week.
6: and
5: zinc. Zinc. And Ivan Tours.
4: <laughs> I hurt myself today To see if I still feel find a way ricochet join the conversation
7: i'm in a better mood than somebody uh thank you for that rob <laughs> i appreciate that and I'm, I'm just trying to set you, you
3: up so you could be the moderate